Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. We had huge news last night as Robert Sala became the head coach of the Jets. He had had a second interview there. He didn't leave with the deal, so it was a little bit up in the air whether or not they were going to make it work. For the last couple of days, though, we learned that there was the Jets had a huge, huge involvement in his hiring process. You know, they were the team that really, really wanted him, and we saw them come away with him. But I'll I'll go to you first, Jake. What do you think about this hire? How big of a loss is it for the 49ers? How big of a gain is it for the Jets? Yeah, well, first off, just starting with the Jets, they're getting a guy who's going to be a great leader. He's going to be a great motivator. And he really, really knows how to work that defensive defensive scheme. So, you know, hats off to the Jets. That's going to be a really good hire. And this is the beginning of Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree. I saw a lot of people saying that, now, you could argue it goes back to the Washington days, right? Like, because even though that's, quote unquote, Jay Gruden's coaching tree, you kind of feel like guys like McVay and LaFleur come from the school of Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan and those guys. Uh, Sala leaving is a lot bigger than just a coaching change, right? This is a cultural impact on the locker room because I don't think a lot of people understand what he brought to the locker room. You know, like I said earlier, he's a motivator. He's a guy that's, you know, going to try and get the best out of you. That's why we see guys like Fred Warner and, um, you know, Nick Bosa come in so quickly and just make such a big impact because he has this, you know, innate ability to just, <clears throat> excuse me, take take what you what he's given and get the best out of him. We even saw that with Kerry Hyder this year. And he coached through a ton of adversity this season. I would honestly even argue that he outcoached Kyle this year, just given – you know, what they were given with all the blows to the defensive side of the football. And I think you see how big of a deal this is uh, for the 49ers with how many guys are congratulating him. I saw, you know, Solomon Thomas, Ronald Blair, a lot of the defensive guys, even Joe Staley putting out a tweet saying he was so proud of um, Salah. So it's a huge impact, man. And it's going to be a big loss, but great teams deal with adversity, great teams deal with loss. And now, as a 49ers fan, um, our response to that loss is what is going to make or break us next season. I agree with that 100%, but I think just as important as losing Salah is the team that he's going to. He's going to the Jets, who have like $100 million in cap space. And we have a lot of defensive free agents. I think that it stands to reason at least some of those are going to go to the Jets, and they have the opportunity to overpay for some of those guys the same way that the Niners did when – Shanahan and Lynch first got there, overpaying for guys that that they really wanted who were program changers like um, Pierre Garçon. I could see them throwing $10 million a year at a guy who we don't have the money to do that for. And they're like, okay, I'll stay with Salah. And I've had success with him previously, and I'll get paid more. So I think a guy like Akello, Solomon Thomas, those guys who we would love to bring back if they were the right price, this this hire makes a little bit tougher um, for those Niners uh, guys to come back to the Niners because they would be following the coach who basically started their career and be getting more money to do it. Yeah, and and you also you didn't bring up Sherman. Sherman was talking a lot about Solid getting hired, and I could definitely see him going to New York. Uh, he's a little bit more of a limited player than he once was, but we've seen Solid work with him. 2019, Sherman was the number one graded corner in the league. So I could absolutely see Sherman going there. 
Kerry Hyder as well, if if he decides to not stay with Chris Kosarek and he decides to – that's the 49ers defensive line coach. If he decides to move on and work with Sala in New York, we, I could definitely see that. Um, but I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty substantial loss for the 49ers. The good thing is they hired D'Amico Ryan from within, and everyone's been talking very, very positive things about D'Amico Ryan. They got a, gr- a lot of great stuff to say. But for the Jets, before I get into that, the Jets, I think this is a really, really good hire for them. They're moving on from Adam Gase, who, I'll be honest, is just a, he's a straight weirdo. I don't know how you could describe him any other way. He is a strange guy. And he, they had positive things on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if you guys saw, but they scored first in almost every single one of their games, believe it or not. Now, they did not have the personnel to do anything, so I don't think all of the production is Adam Gase's fault. But building that culture and a strong locker room, that's something that the Jets have lacked for years. And so having Sala in there, and, and the thing is, Sala is known as being like hyping everyone up on the defense, getting everyone fired up. He's also a very, very smart person. And we've heard Kyle talk about that. And Kyle's known as being an offensive genius. I think we might realize that Sala is a defensive genius as well. Uh, we're going to see a lot of a lot of change in New York in the next couple of years. I know that they have four draft picks, four first round draft picks in these next two years. That is huge. That can help them tremendously. And I think two of them are the Seahawks, two of them are the Jets. So probably going to get a later pick and then early pick. But I think they should go tackle it too, build those two marquee tackles, roll it out with Sam for a year. And also, we didn't even bring it up, Mike LaFleur is following Sala to the Jets. So he has a guy that he's very familiar with. They've been family friends. Mike LaFleur, let's see how he runs his offense. Matt LaFleur is having tremendous success with Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers and Sam Darnold are two very different players. <laughs> but Sam Darnold, you know, he's one of those guys that can make all the throws. A lot of it seems to be the guys around him and Sam just making mistakes. You know, we, you know he's seen ghosts, all that stuff. But I could definitely see him turning it around with Michael Floor and Solo really building back up that defense in New York because they were they were atrocious this last season and they're gonna need they're gonna need a full on revamp. And I think that Sala has the picks to do it. I think he has the presence to do it. If he brings it I think if he brings in Sherm to New York and they are like, Hey, this is how we're gonna do it, they can really turn it around there in the next two, three years. Touching on Aiden's point really quick. I was, you know, just looking at the free agency list, I mean, you bring up a great point. This isn't even something I was thinking about touching on before the pod, but like, I definitely see, especially fringe guys, even on offense, like Kendrick Bourne, you know, if this guy wants like four to six million a year, are we, you know, are the 49ers really going to fork that out from? I don't think so, but we've seen what KB is capable of. He's a sure-handed, you know, third down or red zone kind of guy. Every other down, you're not sure what you're going to get. But when, when it matters, he can make a couple snags. And I think that there's a level of familiarity there where now if you are a guy like KB, maybe you're like, hey, look, I'm just going to follow the floor and uh, Sala over to New York. I'm going to get a little bit more money, and I'm going to be playing basically for the same you know coaches. Uh, obviously, LaFleur is nowhere near Shanahan on offense. Defensively, I think that's where we'll probably see a lot of losses. I think the biggest question mark is going to be Jason Verrett because Jason Verrett spoke so highly of the 49ers, 
um, you know, their coaching staff, how they kind of gave him a, a plan on, you know, progressing him and, you know, their vision. And the question I have kind of is, was that Sala or was that more the 49ers coaching tree in general? You know, and I think we're going to find that out very soon because I do think that Sala had a very, very large impact on the defensive side of the ball. But then again, it's Kyle Shanahan's team. So, you know, was he the one kind of pushing this vision out for Verrett? Who knows? But I definitely think free agents like Hyder, uh, Bourne, Verrett, Mosley, Sherman, Akello, the guys that we've talked about, it's going to make it interesting for sure. I like how you bring up all those guys too, because that's definitely an important aspect to this whole thing. And like you said, Jason Verrett, we're going to learn a lot about the 49ers organization. Well, we have the potential to learn a lot. He could maybe just go there because the Jets offer him a much bigger contract. But if he decided to go to New York instead of San Francisco solely because Sala was there, and those are the reports coming out, we'll learn that maybe Sala is even a bigger loss than we've expected. And we think that's a big loss. I think all of us do. Uh, but the good thing is, D'Amico Ryans has now been promoted to defensive coordinator. He was a middle linebacker for years on the Eagles. He, you know, he's a guy that's been calling the defense. You look at the 49ers linebackers, look at who's had success. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, a third round and a fifth rounder pick. And both those guys, I think, are top linebackers in the league. I know that a lot of people don't know of Dre Greenlaw that much. I think Dre Greenlaw might be one of the most important pieces to the entire defense. And a lot of people don't really know him. You know, he's only played two years. He was really big down the stretch in 2019. But this dude, I think after next season, you're going to talk about him like one of the top linebackers in the league, which is, which is crazy because he has Fred Warner playing next to him, who was just ranked the number one linebacker in the league. Those are D'Amico. That's D'Amico's position group right there. And there were rumors that you sent me, Jake, that he had been talked about potentially getting a head coaching job soon. And some people think that he will get one next offseason. That's how highly thought of he is. The NFL loves this guy. Other coaches think very highly of him. He's known as a very, very smart guy. And he also, look at when he got hired at defensive coordinator after Sala left. It was within 30, 20, 30 minutes. That speaks really highly of him as well. Is there like, you know, we already knew that Sala was going to leave. We wanted, we wanted D'Amico from the start. So Aiden, what do you think about D'Amico Ryans as the new defensive coordinator for the 49ers? I love it. We've had success in these last couple of years with a ball defensive coordinator. I love that we're continuing the the trend. He had a lot. Of, he had a lot of success with the Texans. Uh, I think he was a two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year at I think Alabama. He had a really good college career, and then went to the Texans. Went played super well uh, opposite uh, Mario Williams. I think was their defensive end at that time. Um, and then went to the Eagles, played super well. And I think the way that he's thought of is really shown um, in what J.J. Watt tweeted. J.J. Watt uh, went out and, and tweeted, D'Amico Ryans was a fantastic player and a fantastic teammate. And given what he knows about him, he's going to be a fantastic coach. Uh, and, and that makes me super excited because if a guy like J.J. Watt, who is notoriously uh, tough to please and a bit of a perfectionist, um, is all in on D'Amico Ryans, we should be too. So that, that, that makes me super excited. I'm interested to see what wrinkles he's, he's going to add. 
Sala added a couple wrinkles to that Seahawks cover three scheme. Um, and I'm interested to see if D'Amico Ryans is going to shift those at all. Sala really started that, that, that wide nine defensive front. And we had a lot of success with that, especially when our defensive line was, was healthy, but I'm interested to see what kind of new elements he can add to this basic structure of a very successful defense. You brought it up, Matt. D'Amico Ryan's, he was good enough to get interviewed for a head coaching job. You know, that's, that's kind of where the, the executives were ranking him, that this guy could have gotten an, exe- uh, an interview for a coaching job here as soon as this season. And the consensus around the league is that this guy could be stolen quickly. Like, it might – I mean, he might be gone next year. Like, that's how quickly – he may be gone, and that's something we have to be prepared for. I think he's going to make a, a great defensive coordinator. I have no fear. It, there's just something about it. Like, I think going into the offseason, not really knowing who the candidates were, there was this level of, man, like, I just don't know if there are guys that can take over and do the job Solid did. Like, you had heard a lot about, you know, potentially bringing Dan Quinn in, Kyle's uh, ex uh, head coach in Atlanta while he was under the, uh, under the Falcons. And that would have been interesting as well. Um, I don't know that I'm as high on Quinn because people kind of know who he is now. You know, D'Amico Ryans, for me, just seeing the way people talk about this guy, it, it basically gives me no fear. I have full confidence that this guy's going to be the guy. He's an extremely smart linebacker. So, you know, he's used to you know, relaying plays, signal calling, whatever. There was rumors that he had kind of shadowed Sala in his time here. So he's going to have already kind of a, an understanding of how Sala ran that defense. Um, and pretty much like equally to Sala, he's a, he's a motivator and he's a guy who's going to get the best out of his players. And I think honestly, that above everything else is super important. You want a guy who can connect with your defense uh, culturally, because bottom line is, even if your scheme isn't the best, you're, you're not putting guys in the best position to win. You know, if you can connect with your players, if you can get them to buy in, that's, you know, that's an underrated element that I, I don't think a lot of people talk about. I think I just want to do one more little exercise, I guess, before we move on to who the 49ers untouchables are. And if you're listening to this on YouTube and you want to check out that, that part of the episode, There'll be a link in the description below, so check that out. But what do you think is likely to change under D'Amico Ryans? The only thing that I can kind of bring up, because I think we've seen the 49ers shifting to this for a while now, is more man coverage. That's the only thing I want Adam and, uh, that I think will change. But we look at last season at the end of the year, and you see them rolling out Jason Vrett and Akello at the one and two cornerback spots. We see that Kwaski Tart, who's a box safety, is probably not going to be the box safety next year. Can have Jimmy Ward in that in that role, and probably have Tavarius Moore at the single high safety spot. Those are four guys that can go man on man with you hope anyone. Now I know that Akello's had a lot of rough rough parts of his career. We could potentially see them draft a corner early on, but I think that we with D'Amico we might see them have a lot more man coverage, and I don't think that's D'Amico adding that wrinkle but I think it's the defense progressing in a positive way where they're not limited by only playing zone. 
because we saw that, like, hey, Sala won't get out of zone sometimes. And he adjusted as well. He totally adjusted his defense last year when, they, when that was kind of a thing. When you look at the Bills game, it's like, dude, they can't, you can't do anything against these guys. And then the next few weeks, he comes out and the defense looked a little bit different. And by adding that, hey, we're going we're gonna to also come at you with man and zone and we're going to switch it up and there's going to be a lot more diversity in our coverages, I think that can help the defense a lot. I think that's probably the main thing that will change under Ryan's. But Aiden, is there anything off the top of your head that you think could change a lot under D'Amico Ryan's? Um, I wouldn't expect things to to change a lot. Sala wanted to bring Ryan's over to be his DC. So it's clear that they have similar ideologies in terms of defense. I like your point about man coverage. We saw that more this year. Uh, but we also had like a guy like like Verrett, who we didn't have in previous years, who can play a little bit more, more man. Sherman is at the back end of his career, and he's more of a zone guy now, as we saw last year. Maybe blitz a little more. Uh, as a former linebacker, I'm sure that D'Amico Ryans uh, is a proponent of bringing the linebackers on the blitz every once in a while. And Fred Warner has shown the ability to, to do that. He's a really good athlete. Cardinals with a guy like Hassan Reddick, who really did not pan out uh, the, the, the way that they thought he would as an interior linebacker, kind of move him to outside and be able to use his athleticism to get after the passer. Um, I could see the 49ers doing something with that, maybe like with a guy like Al Shair or, or something like that. And Ryan's will know better than any of us, given that he's coached these guys for the last few years. But I would, I would expect it to, say, to, to stay pretty much the same, um, that 4-3, cover-3 look uh, for the most part. But I like your point about the elements of man. I literally wrote down the same two things you guys put. Um, I think more man coverage is the obvious one. Just because my big key point is Sala's defense coming over from Seattle was pretty much built around Sherman. Like there was that buffer period for the year when he, you know, kind of first got in there and they just didn't have a lot of players. There just was no talent in the building, right? Like he was kind of working with the first year of the draft, those players, and he was working with Harbaugh's leftovers, which was pretty much nothing at that point because they had gutted the roster. So when Sherman came over, that's when kind of the, the flip sw- the, the switch flipped. That, that defense was primarily built around Sherman. Um, you know, and you could say the D-line, but it was built around Sherman because, you know, they were playing in these, you know, zone coverages all the time. We saw it in the Super Bowl too. You know, it's, it was zone, zone, zone all the time. And I think now we're going to see a lot more of the defense being built around the linebacking core. Um, we're going to see a big emphasis on guys like Greenlaw and Fred Warner. And I, I love your point, Aiden, because I think um, we're going to see less disguise blitzes. Like, you know, we're not going to see, I don't think, a lot more, you know, nickel blitzes, nickel corner blitzes. But perhaps you see more blitzes from guys like Warner, Greenlaw, et cetera, coming in, you know, screaming up the middle, trying to get in and rush the passer. Yeah, I like, I like that, you, that you brought that up, Aiden and Jake. So I think we're pretty much done with this segment. I will say one final thing that I'm really interested in seeing what the 49ers do going into next year is how they play their strong safety. We think it's going to be Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward's known as a guy that's pretty small. He's got hurt a bunch of times. However, he is a tremendous player. He can do it all. He can come down in the box. He can cover. 
He can play nickel. He can play outside. Everyone knows that he can do any, any defensive back position he can play. Now, if he is that guy, are we going to see him on the field sometimes? And we're going to see Marcel Harris come in sometimes at strong. I don't think that's outlandish by any means. I think that the, the strong safety position is such in such a weird spot in football right now where you have guys like Jamal Adams, who's going to make, you know, 90 to a hundred million dollars yet teams go, all right, Jamal Adams is in coverage. This is who I'm going to. He's the number one target. That's an issue. But how is that position going to change? Because right now I feel like the box safety is not, it's almost dying, but it's not going to like completely die. You know, like people talk about the pocket passer. There'll be good pocket passers that come into the league still. That's just how it is. But how are these guys going to be utilized in a defense where if they can't cover that well, they're going to get exploited. That's the big question there. So we might see a unconventional strong safety look with Jimmy Ward there just because they don't want him flying down a lot and they don't want him, you know, like they want him wreaking havoc, but in different ways. And we saw him in the Rams game when he's matched up on, you know, Cooper Cup or he's matched up on a tight end and he's at one-on-one and he's clamping those guys. So I think that we're going to see more of almost two free safeties out there. And I think we're going to see a little bit different using the scheme a little bit differently in that aspect. And we might see the strong safety out in one-on-one when Jimmy Ward's in there. And maybe if Marcel Harris comes in sometime, he's basically going to be an extra linebacker. So I'm super, super interested in on that, how that's going to turn out, but that's pretty much it for this segment. So let's move on to the 49ers untouchables. So who are your untouchables on the 49ers? I'll start first. I'll say this. I don't think any non-quarterback is ever truly untouchable. So I guess my technical answer would be zero. But there is one guy that I don't think the 49ers will ever move. And at least not this offseason because he's been floated around a lot. And that person is Nick Bosa. Maybe he's not truly untouchable, but they're not trading Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa has shown – it's shown how important he is to that defense. This past season, they were ranked either five or six in most categories. However, they weren't dominant, and they weren't dominant by any means. Having Nick Bosa wreck games there is so important. We've seen that. Uh, we just saw Blitzboy get traded for, what, two ones and a three? So what would Nick Bosa be worth? I don't know two ones and a two or more, maybe three, three ones. I, I don't even know. I don't think that they would ever trade him though. So he would be my untouchable player. You just don't find guys like that. I talked about a little bit prior when I was talking about the Jets job, taking a all pro tackle. That's what, that's what Nick Bosa is. He is an all pro player at a premier position, non-quarterback, that being an edge rusher, his pressure. Like, and I know, Oh, Kerry Hyder had, what do you have, eight and a half sacks this year, and Bosa had nine as a rookie, I want to say. Don't even compare the two. That's so disrespectful to Nick Bosa. Cool, Kerry Hyder had eight and a half sacks. Nick Bosa is in the backfield almost every single play. My favorite play is by far the screen pass or the little swing route where Bosa against the Saints where he runs up. He recognizes it, jumps back, knocks the ball away. He just makes those kind of plays game in and game out. And, of course, there's going to be the flash plays, but he flashes more than any defensive lineman I've seen in a 49ers jersey since maybe Alden Smith. 
Honestly, is that is that the guy? Because I don't think there's anyone that's flashed as much since him. Buckner is great. I think everyone recognizes how good of a player Buckner is. But he doesn't flash as much as Nick Bosa. So I just think that there's really no chance that Nick Bosa gets traded, especially right now. I think he is the, I guess, the untouchable on the 49ers team. I'll go next. Uh, when, when we were brainstorming people for this segment, I wrote down two names. The first is Nick Bosa. The second is George Kittle. Kittle, for me, is the 49ers. He is what we want to be as a franchise. He's the, the best teammate um, on the Niners, um, I think. Jimmy Garoppolo is very thankful that Kittle is firmly in his corner because even more Niner fans would be wanting Jimmy out if Kittle wasn't such a big proponent of, of his. And it doesn't help that he is, without a doubt, a top-two tight end. I personally think he's the best tight end in the NFL. Um, but I, I do see where Kelsey um, is in that argument. But Kittle makes every run play happen to his side. Uh, is a fantastic receiver of the the football. Currently, our number one receiver, of course, Ayuk has the potential to claim that spot. But Kittle is the premier pass catcher in the 49er offense, and I think he is integral to what the 49ers want to be and what they are. And he needs to be in our plans for the next 10 years. I hope he finishes his career out with the Niners. I don't know if we're going to be able to pay him that second contract, but I think he's worth every penny. All right. So you guys bring up some great players and I tease this in the opening. I said, I have the wild card of wild cards for this segment. I got the most unfathomable, untouchable. Okay. In 2002, John Gruden was traded to Oakland. No, sorry, to Tampa Bay from Oakland. The only untouchable on this team is Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is the only untouchable on this roster. Player, coach, it doesn't matter. He won six games this year with hampered quarterbacks, with a depleted roster, you know, all all odds stacked against him. Kyle Shanahan is the only untouchable player, coach, whatever on this roster. As long as you have Kyle Shanahan here, the oil, he's the oil that makes this machine churn, man. Even in the Hoyer days, right, when we're going 2-14, and 14, you saw it. Like, you saw the vision. If he gets any sort of talent, even if it's minimal, he makes it work. Like, Nick Mullins should not win games in the NFL, and he makes this guy beat, honestly, the best defense in the NFL in the Rams this year. Like, he's a talented, talented dude. So, for that reason... Kyle Shanahan, my untouchable. I love it. I think it's. I think that's a great one. Because I, I brought up, like, I don't know if there's any players that are truly untouchable. I completely agree. Kyle is the guy that is – you can't move on from him. Also, you didn't even bring up who the head coaches were before Kyle. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy T, not, not good. Chip, oh, God. It, it gets, those two were so bad. So I think that every 49er fan just knows, like, oh, we do not want to see the other side of, of who the next head coach would be. I agree even, with you. Yeah, even the fallout of the Harbaugh era, man. Like, you go back to the Harbaugh era, the fallout between him and Trambalki, man, was, ugh, it was bad. It was bad. And it makes you appreciate 
what we have now, regardless of winning or losing, they still keep their shit together. So interestingly enough, none of us brought up Fred Warner. I think that Fred Warner could 100% be traded. I know a lot of 49er fans probably hate to hear that. Just real quick, do you guys agree with that or do you disagree with me? For Watson, I think he could be moved, but in a Stafford trade, I would not like to see Fred Warner moved. Um, I think it would need to be a very specific circumstance where we get a top five quarterback, which Deshaun Watson is. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree. I think linebacker is a, I don't want to say a disposable position because when you have a guy like Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, you know, you're never like, oh, like, let's just get rid of this guy. But yeah, for the, I mean, look, any player, even George Kittle, you will listen to offers on for every player is disposable in this league. There's always players every year where you're like, that guy's never going to get traded. And then they get traded. And what do we say nine times out of 10? Wow, the team that traded him away actually came out like pretty good. Like there's been a few circumstances, of course, like Khalil Mack, where I think the Bears most certainly won that deal. But other than that, it's like Jamal Adams this year. Are we really looking at the Jets? Like, dude, they're stupid. Why did they trade Jamal away? No. Well, I think the reason that that usually happens is because those star players that are traded a lot of times are limited in some ways. So a guy like Khalil Mack, when he gets traded, it, he's Khalil Mack. You know, he is a, an absolute animal. And then you have Fred Warner, who is this year graded by PFF as the number one graded linebacker. Those guys aren't often on the open market. So I think hearing like Fred Warner could be traded, everyone's like, what? Do I think he will be traded? No. But if Watson is getting traded, then there sure as hell is a chance that he would get packaged in that deal. Uh, and we brought up, I think I was bringing up, I was talking about, I think, Bosa's value. And I said it's two, two, or two ones, a two, and probably more than that. Same thing goes for Fred. There's no way that the Niners are going to be like, all right, so we're going to be trading all of this draft, cap- draft capital and Fred for Watson. No, you trade a little bit of draft capital and Fred for Watson. Because, what, because Warner, is, he is such a good linebacker. We rarely see a linebacker like him that can completely transform the game. I brought up how the Niners' defense was fifth or sixth. They didn't have much pass rush, and that's why Bosa is more important than Fred always. However, Fred's never missed a game, at least as far as I can remember. Maybe he's missed one or two, but nothing serious. Nick's tore his knee a couple times. So there's definitely a, a, like some people I feel like that say, like, hey, Warner's more important. I disagree just because of the position they play. But – Fred is a tremendous player. Don't think he would be traded, but I don't think he's untouchable. By the way, really quick, I think even in circumstances where you feel like you're getting fleeced in a trade, like you, like we all this year, Matt, we've looked back and been like, man, you know, if only DeForest Buckner was around. And it's like, we kind of forget, like we got out of DeForest Buckner, it was either Buckner or it, has turned into now basically Jimmy Ward, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Trent Williams, and Brandon Ayuk. Like that's basically what we got in return. Like pretty much you got to retain Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead. And then I believe it to some degree, the pick that you got back from Buckner 
essentially allowed you the freedom now to be like, okay, we're just going to go get Kinlaw and then we're going to trade back into the first. Hey, we're just going to go trade for this all per left tackle. So I do think there's deeper levels to trades than what's just included in the package. 100%, 100%. And that's why I think a lot of people just hear like, you're going to trade Fred? What? No. You're going to trade Bosa? No. Like, but trading a defensive piece for a quarterback, also keep in mind, I, th- I want to say Fred's going to be 25. I want to say him and Watson are the same age, 24 turning 25. Who's going to play longer? I think we know that one. So if you, if someone offered, if the Niners offer Warner a first rounder and a third for Watson, that's 100% a no brainer in my mind. So I think he's, I think he's a guy that you can trade. I don't think that'll happen. That's about all I have for the untouchable stuff. Do you guys want to add anything before we take off here? I have a bit of an idea for potentially next week. Let's let's rank the top 40 coaches in in the NFL. I think Jake brought up a really good idea um, with Shanahan. I don't I mean, is he the best coach in the league? And how and who else is in that 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 conversation? Where is Adam Gase in that conversation? I think that'd be a really and you can even do like DCs or something like that. Um Maybe D'Amico Ryans is higher than Adam Gase. I don't know. Uh, but one of those things, I, th- I think that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, and you can look at a lot of the guys that are going to be head coaches one day, like a Robert Sala, who maybe by the time we record that episode, he will be. But I like that idea because coaching is such an interesting segment. Is Richard Sherman a better coach than, than some of the head coaches in the NFL? Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if he st- if he goes if he goes into coaching, you know he's going to be a nice coach. You know he's going to be sweet. I mean, look at I mean, look at D'Amico. Look at guys like that. There's a lot of linebackers that become coaches, and a lot of them become head coaches. Mm-hmm. Even even watching CBS, you're like, damn, dude, Romo still got it. This guy could go be a coach somewhere, man. Yeah, no, there's a I lot think of guys. That would be pretty fun. Do do your your top thirty, and it can be broadcasters it can be players now your 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 best 30 potential coaches in the nfl right now and they can even they, they can even be college guys i think saban needs to be on that top 30 list oh 100 yeah i like it all right well that's going to do it for today's episode want to thank everyone for listening and we will be back sometime next week probably twice next week so make sure to give us a five star rating and review and We'll see you guys soon.